Hi, friends. Join us as we dive into the themes, metaphors, and foreshadowing of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. With both a spoiler and spoiler-free analysis, there's something here for everyone. We are your hosts, Leah, Sarah, Tabby, and whether you're a new viewer or a longtime fan, welcome to Becoming Buffy. Hello, welcome back to Becoming Buffy. Today we are talking about Season 3, Episode 19, Choices. Wow, guys, we're almost there. We're almost to the end of Season 3. And I just, uh, I'm like really sad and also really excited. I'm not ready. And I know, I'm not ready to let go of the high school years at all. I know. I was like just thinking about that. Like, ugh, this isn't the spoiler freaking section. <laughs> <laughs> every time but Tabby. i will every but, time but the the high school experience is like one of the many bullet points i will really miss and i will say like i don't even think that that's like a spoiler because if you look at any show like after they leave high school if it starts in high school the show drastically changes um and there's always growing pains in that change mm-hmm. um just because you know you found your footing in something and now you're changing it so it's going to you know, obviously have an effect, but I don't know. I, I think that there's such a nostalgia in the first three seasons. Yeah. And so it always hurts to leave just because it feels like you're growing up a bit whenever you leave those seasons. Mm-hmm. Which it's supposed to. And I feel like, I mean, obviously we're already talking about the fourth season. We're not even there yet, but I feel like every show, the you can do a formula for about three seasons before it starts to get kind of stale. And so I always feel like the fourth season of a show is always like, okay, is the show gonna make it, or is this gonna be? Weird? Uh, Lee and they I talk like, about that all the time. Yep. I feel like the fourth season is like the weird one. Yeah. Like, um. Well, a lot of shows that are set in high school, they always start them in sophomore year. Usually, um. I don't know if that is a thing. Like after three years, the only one is like Vampire Diaries, and they're like in high school for like seven seasons. And you're like, oh, okay. I'm not necessarily talking about like high school shows. I'm just saying shows in general, like around the fourth season. Well, Gilmore Girls, fourth season, she's in oh, that's college. And that's my least favorite season. Just vibe-wise. I think there's some good episodes, but it's like – it's weird. It's like she's dating somebody new. Gossip she's in a Girl. Environment. Gossip Girl. I'm pretty Angel sure it's season seri- four. Oh, God, I can't see that. <laughs> <laughs> But that four season though, so <laughs> uh, yeah, they were totally in high school there. I'm like H2O, <laughs> H2O <only> is three. <laughs> I think about like Arrow. The first three seasons are so good. The fourth season is just like okay. And I I forget which quote we read. I feel like it was David Fury that said this. I'm probably totally wrong. Either it was like Douglas Petrie, David Fury, someone like that. They're saying that like most shows they feel like should not go past five seasons. They feel like five seasons is kind of like the gold standard. That That after that, they just kind of become tired. It's very rare to find a show that has good longevity past that point or is as good as it used to be. Um, So anyway, all that to say, we'll talk about it when we get there, but it's just, it's definitely the end of an era. We have a couple episodes left, but you can tell things are really ramping up. All right, so this episode, speaking of David Fury, is written by David Fury, directed by James A. Cotner, and it aired May 4th, 1999. Okay, so this episode is what I like to refer to as kind of like a hallway episode. I feel like it's leading somewhere, but nothing of like 
massive significance happens in the episode to where you're like, oh my gosh, like, you know, um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of something that happened in the previous episodes where it was like, oh yeah, you know, Buffy almost went bad for an episode or something. Like good things happen. There's good character progression that happens. And you know, obviously it's a Buffy episode, which means that they make the best use of their time and they do tremendous things with characters. But I also kind of feel like it's just because they had 22 episodes in the season, they were like, we have an extra episode before we get to like the big showdown. So therefore, what tension can we throw in here in this in this episode? I don't know. I, I You can definitely tell that this episode isn't the main focus of the ending of the season, obviously. But I will say it doesn't feel like a filler to me. Like it doesn't feel like- No, it's like not a- filler for sure. Yeah, it, it doesn't feel like a, oh, like we're running out of time. Let's just kind of throw in a good script in there or whatever. It really does feel like it goes along with the show. It goes along with the, what's the word? The themes. Like, the themes, yeah. Yeah. Um, whereas if you compare it to especially like season two, um, there were some episodes in there in between the Angela storyline that I was like, why is this here? Like, because it just, it felt completely out of place. Whereas this one, it adds a lot to the story and it still has the main villain in it. Yeah, I'm not saying it's a filler episode um, because, again, I think that's different from a hallway episode. A hallway episode is just trying to get you to somewhere else. Um, They do a fantastic job. I feel like Willow's character, I'm like, what in the world? Like, she's just so much more confident. And um, I think we saw some really good interactions between between Faith and the mayor. Obviously, like we're starting to talk about Buffy and Angel's future stuff a little bit more. So there's good stuff that happens here. It's not filler. It's just interesting how I often forget about this episode. I don't, I don't know about I was you guys. literally about to say that. I was like, I could probably name in order season two and season three. And this is the one where I forget that it's a full episode. Yeah. I remember aspects right. that happen in it, but I forget that they're all in the same episode. I just kind of feel like that whole – Faith and uh, Willow stuff kind of – I always assume it happens later in the season or yeah. like sandwiched into another episode. I don't know why. Yeah. And it's a really good episode. Like as you said, it it sets up – it's one of those anticipation episodes. Mm-hmm. Things start mm-hmm. to like – you feel like they're leading somewhere else and they kind of mm-hmm. leave little crumbs for possible different storylines. And so you're curious on what direction they're going to go in, which is really intelligent. I love episodes like these. These are the episodes that you hope to God to pray not to watch at midnight because you have to watch the next episode <laughs> and you will yeah. like like fall asleep super late. It's definitely not an episode you would just pull up and say, hey, have you ever seen Buffy before? Would you like to watch Choices? Like, no, this, well, yeah, I mean, this would not be, be that like, episode. Um, yeah. <laughs> right. So um, this episode takes the whole concept of um, choice equals freedom equals good concept and looks at it slightly differently. So we've been talking about this whole season about – I mentioned utilitarianism versus Kantianism, and we really see that come to head with Wesley here and his worldview versus Buffy's. Um, But it's also interesting because we've talked a lot about choice and responsibility, and obviously our our season theme is choices – um, or choice. And I think that it's interesting to watch. Uh, we specifically have Buffy, Faith, and Willow all being allowed to choose um, with varying results and with different parental figures what their next step in life is going to be. I think Willow and Buffy both desire more control out of their lives. And Faith 
in a lot of ways thinks she desires control, but in a lot of ways really desires more boundaries. And we see that with her gravitating towards the mayor because I feel like in a lot of ways she would have had more control maybe with Giles than she does with how much Mayor Wilkins is even dictating some of her personal um, decisions and stuff, which we'll get into more in a minute. And you guys can totally disagree with me on that if you want to, but I think it's really interesting to discuss. Um, It's, it's a really interesting perspective, especially when you look at the different parenting models shown by Giles and the mayor in this episode. And I don't – I never really thought about it until I like actually like sat down and was like, huh. The mayor just wants someone to control and Giles wants Buffy to grow up and become independent. And you kind of see that in how like Giles even treats Buffy's request to go out into the world and go to college. Like Giles, is, you can tell he's kind of like disagreeing. Like he wants her to stay at the Hellmouth, but he, he, he'll he voice it, but he'll also be like, it's your choice, Buffy. Like at the end of the day, he's not going to dictate it for her versus the mayors over here saying, uh, no faith, like you need to do this. You need to do that. And I like, I think you should wear your hair up. I think you, you should drink more milk, you know, things like that. And it's just interesting how it kind of like restricts her freedoms a little bit. Um, but she almost craves that. Passion of the Nerd talks about how a lot of the choices in this episode are made with a waiting and hoping type of view. Buffy's view of the gang while she goes to college, the decision to try to negotiate with the mayor, and of course, Buffy and Angel's relationship in their future. Even Willow's decision to read the books shows her hopefulness that the gang will rescue her. Like a lot of the choices that are made in this episode are made with the, I don't like the options in front of me, so I'm going to therefore hope and wait that there's going to be another option available for me in the future that will allow me more freedom or whatever I want, you know? This might also kind of lead into the idea of the box of Gavrock being a metaphor for Pandora's box, um, because in the myth, Pandora opens the box out of curiosity and releases evil into the world, but the only thing that ends up remaining in the box is hope. And so it's this idea of, Evil wants to take away hope. And we have the Scooby gang here, or even like, I guess, specifically Buffy and Angel holding on to the hope that they can be together, even though they're going, I don't know where, like what options we have or where we're supposed to go from here. So I don't know. It's just kind of an interesting thing to to think about. And I think just like Earshot, I feel like this episode is the next step in Buffy's arc in the sense that we've already seen her being willing to sacrifice or sacrifice her personal life because she believes in the cause. But I feel like this is the first time in the first episode where we've seen Buffy going, it's worth it. And her going, choosing to be the slayer and give up all the things that I have to give up is worth it because this is the greater good. This is what um, this is what I should be doing instead of it being like, okay, well, this is what I'm called to do. So I guess I'm just going to do it. And I think that's, I think that's kind of cool. Surprise, surprise. We start out in the mayor's office. I feel like we've started out here the past like two episodes. We've talked a lot about the teeter tottering between like the mayor being like kind of sinister and being like all like a uncle um, father. Yeah. I was about to say fatherly, but it's very uncle. Yeah. 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 He like gives her a gift and then like tells her like, that she can't live here for free, calls her young lady, um, tells her she has to run an errand at the airport, but de- we don't know what the errand is. We, we, mm-hmm. we can guess it's kind of a little bit like darker. Um, and then he kind of lectures her and says she's getting spoiled and her face is like, I'm just kidding. I want the gift. It was very weird. I was kind of like, I don't, 
I don't see her as necessarily complaining. I think she's just kind of like, okay, another like pointless errand that you want me to do. Like she doesn't see – she's not the big picture person and he's probably not sharing too much with her. So she's like, why do I have to keep doing all these like silly little errands? I don't know. I was like very extreme for you to be like talking about her getting spoiled here. Like (laughs) she's been with you for what, a week? (laughs) Everything with Faith has been escalation. And so I think we're just seeing like – she became evil at an escalated rate, happened really fast. And so her relationship with the mayor has escalated and become very like intimate, not in like a sexual way, but it's become like she very intimate. Issues. Yeah, very intimate and very attached really fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the mayor is really playing on that. He's playing on her vulnerability and he's escalating it fast because he needs her trust. It's really, it's really interesting. Pash Leonard talks about the contrast between Faith and the mayor and then Buffy and Giles, which is obviously very intentional. Um, how Giles, we talked about how Giles gives Buffy a choice with the exception of helpless, and that obviously ended badly. But the way the mayor talks to Faith, and so Pash Leonard says this, always as a child, the cooing and vocal coddling is an adorable affectation, but it also speaks to the distinction between Faith, the shadow self, and Buffy. Buffy's life is rich with meaning because Buffy always chooses and her parental relationship reflects that freedom. By throwing in with the mayor, Faith has abandoned her freedom of choice and thus any access to a meaningful life, Um, which I thought was a really interesting take. What do you guys think about that? Well, I was about to say, I was like, I feel like Faith in wanting a quote unquote freedom chooses the wrong one which she yes. thinks is the freedom yeah. um, because even when the mayor seems coddling, seems sweet, seems attentive, it's like there's this like underlying creepy vibe that it's like, I really love you, but if you cross me, I'm going to kill you immediately. Whereas yeah, Giles, right. whereas Giles, it's like, Hey, like I'm going to be hard on you and I'm going to do all these things and you have a responsibility. But when they, when Buffy says, I want to go off to college, he sits there and goes, I know how you've been feeling about this and doesn't reject her. Yeah. Even though he leave. doesn't agree with it. Yeah. Yeah. There's like this like freedom in that sense because like there's an amount of respect there, but also I picked up and we'll, I'll mention some small things as we go along, but the way that the mayor talks to Faith, he's affirming areas in her life that kind of like keep her attached to him. So like um, he mentions Buffy and how it's like it's a um, possessive relationship between him and Faith. He's saying, I wouldn't pick Buffy if Buffy came. He's not saying Buffy or Faith, you are this, you are this and this. He does a little bit, but it's like in a Mm. way of like kind of keeping her near. And so it's like subtleties of non-freedom, subtleties of possession. Whereas like Giles is like affirming Buffy's, like we just said, like Buffy's freedom, Buffy's choices in life. Like she's sitting there talking and he, she knows that he doesn't necessarily agree, but she also knows that like whatever she chooses is what she's going to do, you know? Well, and I also feel like it's kind of a lie that Faith wants freedom. I don't think Faith wants freedom. I think she wants companionship. She's craving what she missed in her childhood, which is like those boundaries and like a parental figure. And I mean, I feel like the big lie of Faith is the fact that she wants freedom. Like, because we see her come in and she's very like, free and very like 
wild spirited and you know oh doesn't have doesn't have a watcher doesn't really care about giles like all this stuff but like we really did see her be hurt that the gang didn't involve her as much we see the frustration that buffy uh, with buffy that buffy gets all the attention that she wants like we see so much so many clues that show that like faith doesn't want her freedom and i think the mayor knows that and that's why he's giving her this very like interesting relationship because he he's giving her this false sense of freedom because she can go out and kill people and do whatever she wants and there's no bounds however if she steps out of line with him you know that there will be ramifications yeah is that actually like unconditional love if you're like hey i'm gonna love you unless you like don't do what I say, which versus with like Giles, he, I feel like he's just going to love Buffy even if she does something wrong, which we've seen in the past with innocence and such. Um, I also think it's a really interesting commentary on authority too and leadership. We've talked about how that's a huge uh, theme of this season, but like good leadership gives people the space to make their decisions, but it still helps guide them in the correct way. Leadership doesn't mean you just are super controlling about things, but you're there to like help guide and put good parameters. And I think about like parenting, you know, with children, too much freedom is actually really damaging just as much as too much restriction. And so I feel like the mayor's over here, not really giving faith boundaries in the areas that she needs boundaries, but then giving her so many restrictions in other areas. And so it's leading to this, like, it's a very weird, like, parallel to what's going on with Giles and Buffy, you know. She opens up the box and there's this beautiful knife. I love that both the blades kind of curve into each other. Like it's just stunning. It is very scary. (laughs) It is very scary. Well, I just kept thinking like if I got cut with that or like someone stabbed me like in the belly, like there's an open part in the middle. Imagine how nasty that would be trying to take it out. Mm, It could really sever everything in there. It would rip everything up. Eliza Deshku just completely like annihilates her role in this scene. Just the way she Mm -hmm. kind of like goes animalistic and smells the knife as it's coming out. I'm just like, oh my gosh. She just does such a good job of showing this like animalistic primal reaction to this knife that is almost more terrifying than the knife itself. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's just crazy because even though we haven't really been scared of Faith up until this point, seeing her like this, it's not that you're scared of her. It's scared of what Faith can do. Yeah. And yeah. and how she will act. Which how is she kind of use like that knife. <laughs> yeah. It's a new fear that we haven't experienced. She's unpredictable and it's also just like she's just kind of losing it, which is kind of yeah. crazy. She's also desperate. Like she's like you're you kind of get the feeling that she will do anything because she so badly craves something to fill that hole inside of her. Okay. This next scene in the graveyard and Buffy and Angel are fighting. Sometimes I swear I hate doing a podcast on Buffy because sometimes I feel like I'm either an idiot when I talk about something. <laughs> like who would ever think of this? Is this even intentional? Or it's like – or maybe just the showrunners and the writers and directors like really did just put in small things to kind of like make us think about some things and like a um, even just like in the background or like an art piece. But like am I dumb for thinking that it's kind of like symbolic that both of them are fighting like a – 
It looks like a vampire a vamp couple. couple. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. I thought it was the only one. I was like, Tabby, you're being stupid for reading into this. It was so dumb. Like no. no one is thinking that. These vampires are out on their date night. And they're like, crap. I just think it's funny because in my brain, I'm thinking like they're talking about like the future of their relationship. And here's this like vamp couple who's going to grow old together in their brains and they get dusted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so like sadly poetic. Oh, I'm sure that was intentional. Just like I feel like uh, Sky Sky was uh, intentionally a demon. <laughs> I miss Sky Sky. <laughs> nice dude. <laughs> I know. Poor guy. No, yeah. Could you imagine this like vamp couples out and they're like, oh, we're going to conquer the world together. We're going to we gonna live forever. They have a future ahead of but, them. But and- they're also like thinking, oh, we're not in a rut. We go out and we find it hot to like fight humans and eat them. And then like on the flip side, Buffy and Angel being like, are we in a rut? We always go out and fight people. And then they end up killing this like happy vamp couple who's just doing it for funsies. That's so sad sad too because you're like, oh, they're so nice and happy. And then you're like, oh, they're trying to kill people. (laughs) But like like both of the vamps had like this specific style that fit like Buffy and Angel. And like they each took their person and then killed them. And then as soon as they killed them, then they talked about like their relationship. I don't know. I just like to me, it like really made sense. But I was like, Tabby, no one is thinking – about this vampire couple that we don't even know our vampire couple. I'm just reading into it. No, I think I, don't know. I think it's it's clearly intentional. Just like Buffy calling Angel honey. I've never heard that before. That's new. Yeah, I thought about that. Yeah. I was a little triggering to hear, but it was uh <laughs> <laughs> I think they're intentionally like trying to be name. like they are a couple. They yeah, are together. They are. You know, just and it's yeah. supposed to like show how comfortable they are with their relationship and with where they're at by being able to have pet names and stuff. Or, so. or just feeling comfortable enough in that darkness in their relationship. You sure. know, they're out in the graveyard. They have the routine. They have their like – This thing. is their playground. Like them yeah. being out in the graveyard is where they're comfortable for sure. Yeah. Which is kind of what they talk about. They're like, we're here all the time. Are we in a rut? Like what's going to happen when Buffy's 50 and he's still the same age? Yeah, I – it's interesting because I think this is also the first time we've seen them actively slay together while out patrolling. We've seen them like be together while they're out and then like maybe Buffy will stake someone while they just jump right. out at them. But I don't think we've actively but seen together. them be like, hey, we're both going to go patrol and we've seen them yeah. also slay. All right. So what do you guys think about this conversation between them? Because I thought it was very interesting and I'm thinking specifically of like the conversations they've had in Ted or in Bad Eggs um, when they're also in a graveyard and Buffy tells Angel, "All when I look in the future, all I see is you. Like she's not really thought about the future a whole lot in her conversations with Angel. And this feels like she's starting to kind of think that way a little bit more. I disagree. I I think that this episode is showing us that she hasn't really thought about her future. Not that she's changing and starting to think about her future. Buffy is choosing not to think about her future because, honestly, I think that she doesn't know if she'll have one. I think it's a lot easier to uh, not think about it. And the only thing she knows for, for certain is the fact that she loves Angel. And so, therefore, she'll want to be with Angel. I don't know. It kind of feels like plot convenience for what happens at the end of this episode, not going to lie. I, I mean, like, they're trying to like, set it up to go in that direction. That's what it feels like to me. It just yeah. kind of feels like a setup. Like, I don't really see it as anything different. I know. I honestly struggled a little bit with this this moment because, okay, so here's the thing. Like, at first I was like, 
okay, man, Buffy, like you would have given anything to just be with Angel back in early season two or back even at the beginning of season three. Like she would have just given anything for him to be there. But then I realized that I think they're also trying to show how much she's matured this this season. And I don't mean that to say she's matured past Angel because I will never say that. But I mean, I think that she's actually starting to think about her future. And so I think she's not thinking, oh my gosh, I can't have I think a future she's allowing with Angel. Yes. She's allowing herself to think of a future. Yeah. But I think she's going, okay, my future is with Angel. So therefore, what will that look like? And so she's asking him like, oh, we're in a rut. She's trying to think, how can we get out of a rut in our relationship? Not necessarily like, oh, we're in a rut. Let's break up kind of thing. I don't I know sh- if that makes I sense. I think she's just talking about like well, what they do. They're, they're limited in options because he's a literal vampire. I think that's what she's right. thinking. Oh, yeah. totally. But like, that also extends to far more than just like date night. You know what I mean? But I don't – yeah, but I don't think it's – she's thinking like babies and children. I think she's thinking like I want to take you out into the sunlight and we can do normal things, you know, rather than going right. to graveyards and killing vampires. Right. But I still think the language is indicative of the fact that Buffy for the first time in her life is actually like, oh, I'm going to graduate high school. Like whereas before I think she didn't think she'd make it out. You know what I mean? Well, speaking of the future, too, this kitchen conversation, Buffy's doing her homework. Joyce comes in and she's like so sweet and supportive. She's like so proud that Buffy made it into Northwestern University. She's super optimistic, tells her that like if she wants to go, that um, if they get the funds from their dad as well, that they can make it work. And poor Buffy's face. She's like, Mom, you know I can't. I mean, I, I can't decide on the school right now. And uh, we all know what she's feeling. Yeah. And Joyce just says she's pleased she has so many choices. Um, and then she goes to call her relatives and then she's like, Buffy. Such um, a mom thing. Don't forget to put your earrings back in the drawer before you leave. <laughs> and her face, Christine Sutherland's performance as a mom was like so spot on in this moment. Okay, Snyder's out here looking for drugs. And <laughs> I just. <laughs> he's like, my lunch. And he's like, sit up straight. Yeah, it's so typical of like, oh my gosh, so you weren't doing something wrong, so I feel like I have to reprimand you anyway just so I feel better about myself and my position as principal. I just love how he kind of like – we see him weaving in and out of the scenes, but he's like not really integral to the plot in this episode, but he's just kind of there constantly looking for drugs. The writer of this episode definitely was trying to squeeze him into this episode because they like He's him. Like, <laughs> yeah, they're like, well, they're going to be graduating soon. Principal Snyder's going to be leaving. Got to just That's put him true. in They here. won't see him in high school because we won't be in high school anymore. They're trying yep. to find all the ways we can see him. Well, it just reminds me back to um, School Hard where he's all like, it's PCP, people. Like he keeps talking about the drugs there. And I'm just like, okay. <laughs> Oh, gosh. And then Buffy and Willow are talking about Buffy possibly not being able to leave Sunnydale. Um, and Willow's being super optimistic. She's like, well, maybe eventually you can leave and trying to give Buffy some hope. And then Willow's like, I got into Oxford. And Buffy's I like, know. that's where they make Giles's. <laughs> <laughs> As if that isn't exactly what Willow wants anyway. I was going to say. Or yeah. she wants to, she either wants to be a Giles or marry a Giles. Like, I can't tell which one it is. She's like, I can learn about school and eat scones. I'm like, isn't that what we all want? And then Xander over there like, oh, you know, I'm going to go road trip and like find myself. Who needs college schmollage? And we're all like, okay, that means you did not get accepted anywhere, did you, Xander? Yeah, we're like, we see right through you. Yeah. No, I so does Buffy. He probably didn't like – I don't even think he applied to schools. Uh, uh, probably not, Yeah. And then 
this unfortunate Cordelia interaction. I just like this whole episode. I was like, guys, we like it's almost the end of high school. I want some like good interactions with Cordelia. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. So I know I know she was extra biting, but I felt like for the first time it wasn't just to progress into other characters' arc. I felt like they were actually going somewhere with her. And we don't know exactly what's going on. That's true. At least we got a little side storyline rather than just like crappy Cordelia. We actually had a scene where Cordelia yeah, was true. by herself doing that's something true. in her own life. We that's haven't only the had first that. Time. Not yeah. only this season, but I can't remember the last time we had that in season two either. Or even season one. Other than Homecoming, I literally can't think of one. Other than her breakup, which is like, you know, a cliche. Yeah. Yeah. I That's think true. The breakup was probably the only episode with her by her – or episode, the scene the with one. her by herself mm-hmm. that didn't – because even Homecoming, while it is – a lot about Cordelia. It's a lot about Buffy and Cordelia. Um, yeah. But this, that scene with the whole scenes with the shop, I was like, this is about her. This isn't about her and Xander, which I, I appreciate. I feel like there was more depth That's even true. if she was fighting. I retracted then because as long as they like have scenes like this, they have to have a go somewhere or have a reason behind it. But like her popping in and up being kind of crappy and having zero development in season yeah, three really bugs just me. for the progression of other yeah. characters no okay you know what that's fine i mean even though she's a little bit rude to buffy well first she kind of like craps on like willow she's like oh four years of of teabag central and yale is a dumping ground for those who didn't get into harvard and she's like well i got into harvard and you see cordy going like oh take that <laughs> well and then like buffy doesn't even say something rude she just says like hey guys remember to breathe in between insults like kind of as a joke but also being like hey you guys are getting a little bit out of hand very kind way of saying like please stop and she's like i'm sorry buffy this conversation reserved for those who actually have a future oh like, my word oh. yeah that was uncalled for i know cordelia's going through some stuff but that's just this is just like the same caliber as okay. the whole like no parents comment in homecoming like yeah. to me it's like girl these are yeah. low blows that she has no control over at least m- remark on something she has control over these remarks always escalate so fast. Like they'll be you know, going back and forth. So I'm like, oh shoot! Like it, it's just real. Like they'll be going back and forth. And like, well, your hair looks ugly today. Well, that shirt's pretty ugly. Yeah. Well, your parents died. You're just like, oh my gosh! Like there's always one person who just takes it way too far. Yeah. And here's the thing: I love Sassy Cordelia, but. I just – when I see these comments, I see you straight through to the writers because I'm like, do you even know what you're doing with Cordelia? That's what I see. I'm like, I see way more to her, her as a character and as a person. And then when we're continually getting like the same thing from season one when there's nothing else, I'm like, I see the writers at this point. I don't really see Cordelia. Yeah, I like be- her being here, but like I want something more. If she's going to be here, have her here. Yeah. And I, with the whole thing with the shop, I'm like, okay, I feel like we're actually going yeah. somewhere. Yeah. Th- For sure. This episode aside. We're literally three or four episodes away from the finale. So this is a little late. We have three left. Yeah. Yeah, This is a little late to be like, okay, we're going to pop in a new Cordelia storyline. Like what's going on here? You know? So. Or give like the smallest window into what's been going on in her psyche this entire season. Yeah. I mean, we know that she's still hurting a little bit from Sanders thing, but I felt like they were doing a little bit better. Like their barbs were kind of just like normal. They weren't extra cutty, but this one is just, yeah, it's uncalled for. I will say though, I am incredibly, incredibly proud of how the Scooby stepped up and supported Buffy and stood up for her in this, in the scene. And even in the next couple of ones, because I feel like 
I'm still, again, I'm still kind of reeling and healing from Dead Men's Party, and I feel like they're they're doing a little better here, and it's, it's making me happy. I, I actually feel like the last few episodes, like, the Scoobies have been really tight-knit. I feel like everyone's They've been, been really good. on it. Yes. Like, Willow and Xander has been really good, too. Like, he's been normal the past few episodes. Ever since the Zeppo, he's been good. Like, he's around them. Uh, like, I mean, really enemies, have- no, but yes, I know what you're trying to say. He hasn't been good. He's been quiet. There's a difference. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't what I mean by good is I haven't been outraged at him. I've been like annoyed a little bit, but like I Fair. haven't been like angry. You know, Fair. that's what I mean by good. I'm like Fair. this is fine <laughs> as long as you don't make my blood boil again. We're good. <laughs> are the standards are so low for this? They man. are. They are. As long as your shirt is not too loud, I can ignore that you're. At least, don't give me a headache from what you say and what you look like. It'll <laughs> yeah, be good. Exactly. Oh, my word. <laughs> okay, but Oz, him just being like, that's an angry young woman right there. Like, what a very kind, compassionate, yet empathetic response to both Cordelia and Bobby. Like, he sees that. Cordelia is hurt and angry and he's like not faulting her for it, but he's also recognizing that but that hurts Buffy. What I love about Oz too is that he doesn't just like say things to like affirm people or he doesn't really like – um he doesn't make presumptions about people. I like that he's stating a literal fact but also being affirming to Buffy. He's not saying they're being like, oh, well, Cordelia is better or Cordelia – you know what I mean? Like making assumptions about what she's feeling. He's literally saying – that's an angry woman because she literally was angry in that moment. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not like he's right. just being cutting for no reason. Right. Okay. Did you guys hear what Willow said to Xander at the end of the scene though? Xander's like, she's definitely got a chip going. And Willow's like, well, if you didn't goad her so much. And Xander's like, I can't help it. It's in my nature. And Willow goes, you need a better nature. They're all super like patient with Xander. I feel like at this point, I just would like ignore him straight up. I'd be like, I'd be like how many days till graduation? And you're going on the road. So does that mean I just don't see you anymore? You need a little break. Yeah. Um. So go to the library and Buffy's talking to Wesley because apparently Wesley is like, the person she needs to convince at this point. Um, She's talking about wanting to leave Sunnydale. And like, okay, I'm not fully against everything that Wesley says in this episode. Don't get mad at me. But like everything that comes out of his mouth, I'm like, I kind of agree. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Is that bad of me? I don't know. We'll get to it. But like, like he starts talking about how she should be here. How like, and he's making some good points. He's saying like, faith has gone astray. There's like the ascension is coming up. They still have no idea. They have no clues about it. Only that it's happening at graduation. And then Giles comes in, and rather than being like, "Oh, I disagree," or "I agree with Wesley," he just listens and affirms what Buffy's thinking because he knows that she's thinking wisely about it or she's thinking through things you know what i mean i'm also just like really proud of buffy for sticking up for herself and saying what she wants and being willing to come up with a plan and like be proactive about it yeah well she's giving them solutions too it's not like she's just saying well i'm gonna leave she's saying like well if you hold down the fort i can be back here by you know midterms i can be back by every break which i really feel like is a practical idea. I mean, yeah, it might be hard because with there's like a literal apocalypse like around Thanksgiving. It's like Buffy apocalypse is technically happening at any time. I know like we have to go by like the school year, but it's funny. Also, we did not see enough of this dress. 
This oh, I want I'm it. obsessed. Obsessed. If there's one TV character that I could have the wardrobe of, I legitimately think it would be Buffy. This or dress, Green. the color, the oh, color yeah, just looks so good on her. But it's just it's classy and timeless too. Like those like mid-length formish fitting floral dresses are so timeless because you can wear those like at whatever age and it's beautiful. I also will say I think this season has been a little bit rough for Buffy's hair. I, I like in the sense that like I don't feel like it's been my favorite season of hair. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with Sarah Michelle Geller um having to bleach it back after it being so dark brown. And so it seems like it got pretty fried. But for her I in really, this episode really, was stunning. I was gonna say I really love her hair in this episode. It looks a lot healthier than it has looked in the past few episodes. But yeah, I'm excited. I think season four is my favorite hair of hers. But we'll get oh, there. Oh, I agree. Buffy says she'll make circumstances better um, and or different. And she mentions going to the mayor, which is not – actually, it's not a horrible idea only because, like, they know where they stay. It's in City Hall. They know that Faith is with them. Yeah. She's already snuck in, like, City Hall once with Faith, you know. Might as well try it once. I'm like, come on, y'all. You've done it before. I know you can do it again. Just figure a way to get in there. Um, so we go to the airport. There's a guy who comes up with the box that they've been talking about that the mayor needs for Ascension. It's vital. And then one of the mayor's vampires is supposed to ask the dude for the money or or give him the money. And then he gets shot by Faith. And I will say this is one this. of those times where I was like, ooh, chilly. Yeah, she looks full femme fatale now. Well, I didn't even realize this wasn't like – and this is so human. dumb of me because like – I was like, first of all, he doesn't dust. It's been a while since I've seen the episode. Okay, guys. But like, I, I forgot about the whole like cut into bone thing. And then when she said it, I was like, oh, of course, because the guy didn't dust. He's literally human. I don't know how I didn't think about that. But that's like such a dark thing for her to do. Well, it's so crazy because we really, they've done such a beautiful job with her escalation because it's like she killed someone and then she feels guilt, but she doesn't admit it. And then she starts killing, like, that she brutally kills that demon guy. It's and nice you're, time. like, you can still kind of justify it in your mind because, like, okay, it's a demon. She hasn't really, like, hurt anyone intentionally first. Like, she really has only done her duties as a slayer. Um, but this is the first time you really are seeing her just take a life. Like, yeah. Ugh, it is it's hard to watch well at first like you're thinking okay well she shot him from afar like i could do that <laughs> i'm just kidding i cannot do that but like <laughs> it doesn't really feel like that like horrible but then she does something like that and you're like oh like yeah he may be dead but like oh like that's that's, that's really going there i feel like we're like okay She's embraced, embraced her role. Like in Enemies, it was very yeah. much like, okay, this was the turning point, no going back. And this one, it's kind of like, she's like, I'm bad. I'm full on bad. Um, the music was very eerie and sinister. I mean, just her relishing torturing this guy. Yeah. It was it was a little chilling. And I, I feel like we needed to see this happen right before the conversation between her and Willow. Otherwise, yes. we all would have been yeah. like, Willow. But it's like a lot of people made points to – did people make points and did I see their side? Yes. You know, like would have would have thought of that two episodes and agreed with it? Probably not. But like things are kind of getting to a place where I feel like they can go a little bit more controversial and there's enough 
stats on both sides for us to be kind of like, you know what, whichever way it goes, I understand. And I love when stories lead up to that because you know, they've done their work. They've done their homework. Mm -hmm. So it's not as totally predictable, but it's also like, it leaves you a little bit like um, conflicted and conflicting storylines are my favorite because it makes you think. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And I also, yeah. Well, okay. You know what? I'm stopping myself because we'll talk about it there. <laughs> well done. Um, outside of City Hall, the limo rolls up and then Buffy sees Faith and the vamp walk out with the box. Which, I don't, why haven't they gone to City Hall to watch them beforehand? Like, are you kidding me? Come on. I, I know. Get on a, a Buffy. <laughs> Um, and then this interaction in the mayor's office, the mayor asks, he like brings out his checkbook. He's like, oh, I, for- I need to pay the dude. <laughs> what a great like, upstanding gentleman. I know. I was about to say, it's like, <laughs> why didn't he think of killing him? Like, you don't have to pay him anything. Um, and then I kept thinking, I was like, this is kind of gutsy of Faith to kill somebody. Because like, what if the mayor was like, gets mad and is like, well, what did you do with the body? Like, how do we figure out like what to do with it? Like, he just doesn't care. Which is it's also it's also interesting because we don't know until this scene that Faith kills that guy of her own initiative. We assume when we see her killing him, like shooting him, that that was instructions from the mayor. Because up until now, yeah, it's been the mayor telling her, "Hey, like go get the stuff, like go get the books of ascension from this demon guy." But the implication is obviously, if he fights back, you're gonna kill him. You know. Um, so I think that is really important to show that Faith herself is making these decisions yeah. on her own. And I think that's hard too because like the mayor affirms like her initiative, her skill, um, the darker part of her, which I feel like has got to be so confusing. And I think we forget at this point too, she's a minor. We're assuming she's 17, right? If she's the same age as Buffy, she's a minor. She's had a rough go. And this is the first person, now besides Buffy, obviously, but I feel like this is somebody that she's sought approval of. I think with Buffy, there was this rivalry, and I think that with the mayor, it's a bit different, and he's a parental figure. Well, I don't even think it's that. I think it's in her mind. It's like if the person that I care about and the person that I seek approval of is so pleased with this, then I don't think it's that wrong. I think it's mixed. Like, I really do think that she doesn't want to be like this, but I think that she's so far and deep, and I think that she feels a little bit better when someone's affirming that of her. But I do think that a part of her doesn't fully want to be like this. I want to believe that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. We see a glimpse of her being hurt. We see a glimpse of, of her, yeah. like, wanting the friendship, being hurt by comments of Willow's made. So it's like you see both. I think they give little instances and clues throughout this episode, and we'll yeah. talk about them when they come to show her still being conflicted, even though this is – I mean, she now has to accept responsibility for her choices, right? Yeah, totally. So, um, Faith puts the shoes up on the desk. He reprimands her right when they're talking about her killing somebody. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Such a whiplash. Uh-huh. And she almost opens a box, and he slams it and is like, don't open that. He's typically pretty cool and collected, but he seemed kind of like, uh, no. Well, I like that he cut it away too because everyone's thinking like, oh my gosh, like what's in the box? Like we we need to know like right now. I was just going to say, I was like, could you imagine if they really overhyped what was in the box and it was like <laughs> literally nothing? Like it was just like like a, a random like knife, like old dusty knife and the mayor's just like terrified, like petrified of it. <laughs> it's like this this baby gives you the worst paper cuts and I was like, <laughs> Okay. It's like a box of um, chemical warfare – or not chemical. It's um, germs because you know how he's like terrified of it and it's like, oh. ha, 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 
I think it's biowarfare is what it's called. Someone coughed into a jar and just put it in there. I <laughs> just coughed. It's a cough. It's like bad breath. You're like, ugh. <laughs> and then you die immediately. <laughs> it's like six-year-old Twinkies just like still in the package. <laughs> Little kids' boogers and tissue paper or something. Ooh. Oh, <laughs> no. That one got me. I'm just imagining from the first episode we met him where he's like talking about like washing your hands and your fingernails and it's stuff. It's just – children's hygiene is the most putrefying thing ever like i love no, my kiddos to tell to me death. man no i love my kiddos to death but the amount of times i'll witness them pick the nose and eat it and then hand me the papers right afterwards and i'm trigger like warning, Tabby, trigger warning tabby like, like, what do i do i have to grade it so i'm like i'm like above like levitating trying to write the softest like <laughs> grading it Oh my and then we, which ones are the like, nose pickers? Oh my gosh, guys, can we please get back to the episode? This is traumatizing. <laughs> There's people that are like, skip, skip, skip. <laughs> Sorry, guys. We'll put a trigger warning. Yeah. Um, they're taking out the maps of the city hall. And I love how like tight the group is in this scene. They're all like, oh, I have my roll down. Psh. And then Wes is like trying to catch up. He's like, uh, uh, wait, we should really mull this over. And I do, I do feel for Wesley. <sighs> I hate I hate saying this. I do feel for him. I don't hate. No, Wesley. I'm Team Wesley in this but episode. The thing not is, <laughs> sacrilege. The thing is, is that like he's put in this uncomfortable position where this is his job, but nobody takes yeah. him seriously. And I mean, for good reason. He completely bungled the whole thing with Faith. Still have not forgiven him for that or forgotten about it. But he is trying. He's trying to do his job. He's trying to be responsible. And the points that he's making are good. It does feel also, somewhat rash. Can we also say that, like, he was the one who mentioned the whole power trip over the box. And then they had to tell Willow, too. So he's making some in- intellectual points that are important and that they yeah. need, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But also, I think that, like, we forget – we have the lens of viewers who – have this like viewer shield over a lot of these characters. Um, yeah. I think that we forget that if we were in these situations or if we were a third party in an actual situation like this, I'd be more on the Wesley side. But like in this world, yeah. if I were besties with them, like I'd think more like Buffy, you know, like, but I don't know. Wesley hasn't been around enough to be able to see how good Buffy's instincts are. Yes, but I think it's also important to have somebody looking on the outside being, okay, what's the bigger picture? And I think yeah. he's bigger picture, dude, you know? But I think it's, it's unfortunate that it's him, too, because he's also, like, the only person in the council and also a dweeb. Yeah. So they, they all have their jobs. But, um, Willow tells Xander and Oz to stay back, get everything ready, and then she'll be back with them to do the spell. Um, Xander is walking around in the street, and he sees Cordy in the shop and she's looking at a dress. He walks in and goes in at her, talks about how she probably never made it into any good schools. I just want to talk about how how rude it is that Sandra <laughs> saw Cordy minding her own business in a shop, doing her own thing, just looking at some some dresses, and felt the need to go out of his way, walk into the store, be to awful to her, and then leave. That he cheated on! It's like, dude, I get when you run into people at school, sometimes your emotions are high, like, blah, 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 blah. Like, you say some nasty things in the moment. But, like, this one was just so out of pocket and uncalled for. Like, oh, my gosh. It's just so annoying. I'm like, bro, leave her alone. 
Like, she's just in a sore. But I think he's – I'm not trying to justify Xander, so please don't read it this way. I'm just trying to understand what <laughs> his Xander process is here. No! I'm, like, siding with Wesley and Xander this this episode, heaven forbid. No. I think he's thinking, oh, my gosh, this is his way of – and, again, I do not agree with this – his way of sticking up for Buffy and, like, oh, she said those hurtful things about Buffy and the rest of us, so I'm going to go in there and, like, he's all like, well, you didn't make it into colleges, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, well – like Leah was saying, that's so rude to go in there and just be like, well, <laughs> you didn't make it into college and stuff while she's like minding her own business. It's just, I don't know. The gall of him is just absolutely just mind-blowing. <sighs> Xander. She shows him like she made it into USC, Colorado State, Duke, and Columbia, all great schools. And he looks absolutely stunned. I love the payoff that Cordelia is intelligent and smart that we've had, like with her Thank doing God, well with SATs honestly. and stuff. But also, it's so frustrating because it's like they make her look like a freaking ditz. And it's like when they're trying to form feminism into leading women in movies in the 90s and or early 2000s. And they, I don't think that they really felt the confidence or felt like people would really watch a movie with like – the more typical looking feminist who is like a little bit more headstrong and like really like um, independent. Other than like 10 Things I Hate About You, we really didn't see much of the – well, we didn't really see many cats during – Cat Stratford's during like the 90s and or like early 2000s. It wasn't until later. So I really feel like with Cordelia's character, it just kind of felt like she was – like I feel like – I could see more of the intellect in her, but they kept making her kind of seem dumb sometimes. And I'm like, we all know she's not like that. But then like they kind of throw in that she all of a sudden is like making it into USC and Colorado State. I'm like, well, then give us more of that of her. Like, I don't know. I keep saying that, but this whole season felt like that to me. I don't know that they made her seem dumb. I think that there's two ways of looking at it. I think they just made her seem very one-track minded. Like she's focused and um, very upfront and honest. So like when she's like the whole spatula thing, I think that's her literally just be like one-track minded versus like not so. I just sometimes those scenes pop up. I'm like, I just want, you know, I want like a little bit more like, like, takes no crap Cordelia in this situation, you know, rather than like being a little bit ditzy eh, in the moment. I will say in this moment, I, it's not that she comes across as ditzy to me. It's just more so that she comes across as like she has her mind on something else. I'm not talking about this scene. I'm just saying that like, I wish that we had more to like believe or not believe, but just like feel like it was more rewarding that she made it into USC and Duke and Columbia. I think we have to come to terms with the fact that Cordelia was never really a main character. She was in the credits, yeah. but she was always secondary. She's always a There's side character. There's also a character. lot more to her that we just never saw. We just never saw. But I also that I think we have to realize too that how the writers wrote her might actually be how Cordelia is too. Like she might be – she is really intelligent, but she also is incredibly biting. And we can't, at some point, we can't just be like, oh, it's just the writers wrote her this way. It is – Valid to say, I wish that they had made her more dimensional. Um, I think that she has some dimension, but they obviously didn't flesh that out too much. Yeah. But I I think there's this tendency to be like, oh my gosh, because of everything that happened with Charisma Carpenter and because we do love Cordelia, her brutal honesty so much, and because she was wronged, the, both the character and the actress, it's easy to justify her behavior as, oh, that's just the writers writing that. When it's like, maybe Cordelia is just kind of a a witch with a B, 
you know? I don't know. I disagree with that. But I just, I don't know. We just didn't get enough of her. And I wish that this was more of like a payoff moment than it actually is. It's like, oh, okay. She made it into all these good schools. Like, whatever. Anyway, I just wish we got more of her. But um, I mean, that's valid. Yeah. Yeah. Xander says something about her dad paying off the schools, which is such a belittling comment. That's so rude. It's like you're going to just doesn't have her a comeback. being into all well, these schools. It's, it's also so obviously coming from a place of jealousy in her. Yeah. Like, l- let's say even if her dad did pay off all the schools, blah, 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 which he didn't, but even if he did do all that, it still means that she's going to have a college career and Xander won't. I, well, we know that Xander deflects with humor. So I think his whole thing about like saying, you know, again, I'm not trying to like be on Xander's side here, but him saying Get that off like, the podcast. I don't write. Seriously, I'll fire myself. Oh, brother. (laughs) This guy stinks. Oh, brother. This guy stinks. (laughs) No, but like Xander saying like, oh, I guess it's on the other side of daddy's money. I think a lot of the reason why that Xander puts his (laughs) – I haven't even said my Uh, point yet. Our maturity goes down to like five years old. I'm like (laughs) – Like, boo, Xander. But I think the reason – let me finish – is that he is saying these things, one, because we know he deflects with humor, but I think he is um, – he puts his foot in his mouth so much because his first instinct is to just say something that protects himself. He does not think that – he doesn't think about what's coming out of his mouth and it, it, it just comes out as incredibly biting and stuff when in actuality he's thinking if I attack, then that means I protect myself. Not saying that's good, but again – Putting way too much thought in Xander's mindset. What I, mean, <laughs> I was like, you're really like, just like, here. I'm like, oh, why? I'm like, you're like I, speaking so fast thinking I'm going to oh interrupt. Oh gosh. You. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, and, no, I did this when I was writing my notes earlier when I was like writing about like, I was like, Willow's choices this episode, Buffy's choices. And I was like, Xander's. And I was like, I just don't care. I just don't care. <laughs> no, honestly, I really think that Xander adds like a lot to this episode. And I really. <laughs> just- <laughs> what? <laughs> And I really think that uh, his like mindset and process going oh. into like going and talking to Cordelia really makes. sense. I think it's and really just I, yeah. like it, like the jeez. You try to show his. a second <laughs> Honestly, opinion. If, and- if I had one thing to say to Xander, I really think that I would just like look look him in the eye, but <laughs> because he deserves it, he really has earned it. All right, let's move on to the next episode. <laughs> I don't want to talk about our next scene. I don't want to talk about Xander anymore. I mean, he's in this scene. So they're outside City Hall inside the van, very conspicuous, literally right outside. Like they're not even hiding in like the corner parking lot. Like they're, they're just, they don't even care. They're like they'll never know. Yeah. In the middle of the night. Like, okay. And they're all standing out. Like they get out of the van to talk about what the game plan is. So people can see them outside the van if they were just looking out the window. Oh, I know. <laughs> Do you see Giles' huge thermos of tea that he brought for him and Wesley? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> They're like, okay, guys, have a great field trip. We'll pick you up on Monday morning in time for school. Like, that's what it felt like. It was. I also think it's funny that they relegated Wesley to just driving the getaway car. <laughs> They're like doing know, anything like, to give him a job, but like one where he can't mess up. Just you, know, like, you cannot point, make like, the tea. I like, don't trust you. Wesley's to do that. sitting there and he's kind of accepting his role at this point. And he's like, 
all right, now set your clocks too. And he's like, you know what? Whatever. Of course. Okay, guys, we were watching this episode and Andrew walked in for this one. And he goes, that's like you and the girls on the podcast. You're like, hey, guys, I sent out email <laughs> reminders and everything. And Tabby and Leah are both like, we don't have watches. We don't have calendars. We don't have apps. Like, what is this? And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm Wesley in this. <laughs> and then the day of, we're like, hey, sir, are we recording tonight? She's like, yes. I'm like, like sir, which okay. episode are we recording? <laughs> I told you a month ago. <laughs> uh, that's probably why I'm like, yeah, Wesley is a point this episode. <laughs> okay, so Angel, Buffy, and Willow climb up the ladder. And then in the library, Oz and Xander have the ingredients for the spell. Um, and then they have this cute little like dialogue where like Willow like drew them a little like diagram and then did little sketches of each of them. Oz has his little guitar. I loved this scene. Why do we not get enough? Oz. Like I keep saying, oh, I love Oz with Xander. Oh, I love Oz with Willow. I love Oz with Angel. And then I realized just I Oz. just don't just think Oz, Oz is around yeah. enough. Like he's I not. Just... Oh my gosh. He's literally him and Cordelia are some of the most underused characters ever. Mm-hmm. Like freaking Oz. I'm like, bro, uh, please uh, give me Bless more. Our I, like, screens. But I also feel like Oz would be interesting if they gave him more time because you could actually give him flaws as well. Xander, to his credit, oh my gosh, here I go again. He was all talking. Get off the podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Where would you be without me, Tabby? Not be talking about Xander, that's for sure. Oh, snap. Man, hurts, Tabby. Hurts. Okay, say what you're going to say. Get it it out. It was like Oz being like, well, we better be sure. Like we know the the difference between the the toad and the sage, which been there. Um. And then uh, Xander's been like, well, there. Well, okay. I'm sorry. What the frick is the difference between the Toad and Sage? Have we all been there? I meant been there. I meant the uh-huh. most obscure terminology I've ever heard in my life. The Toad and the Sage. I mean, like, we've all, right, guys, we've all been there. We've all been there, right, guys? Did I did, did I not Dead tell you silence. guys about my my new hobby of witchcraft? Yeah, oh my gosh. So it's like, I mean, I don't know um, what, what spell they're doing. <laughs> this is what happens when I'm so tired, you guys. I start justifying Xander's behavior <laughs> and, and talking about all of my secret hobbies. No, okay. I just meant that one time in um, biology, I had to dissect a frog and it was so – it had been in the freezer for so long. Well, it was so no, dehydrated. I, I, no, I actually do have a toad a phobia. Like, it's not even – like. <laughs> I know, Sarah, because we had the same mom and I had a toad also <laughs> in the freezer for we three years. We had the years. same mom? For three years, Sarah. Sarah, Tabby, I no, hate no, to no, tell no, you. No, 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 I was, I was, it was at yours? No! 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 Okay. No, I thought it was there for like six years. I was no, like, dude, you, but at least you weren't the person that trauma. had to deal with like the cat being boiled on your stove. What are you talking about? I remember that. I was there. <laughs> I helped dissect oh. it. I'm going to have to cut this out. Of Bro, I remember weird. that. <laughs> oh, I was there. What are you talking about? We've done all of those things. <laughs> this is not just a you thing. No, but my point was, bring it back full circle. My, my point was. <laughs> We've all been there. The, the frog, the toad is so dehydrated that you can't oh, tell if it's I'm sage. Or my- you wanted to know what I'm telling you. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't ask. I did not ask. I did not ask. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, I totally detracted from the funny thing I was going to say. But all that to say, I thought it was funny that Xander was like, well, then they shouldn't have left it in the hands of the lay people. <laughs> and I wrote down, wow, growth. 
I, this is a good example of Xander being more comfortable with the role he has in the gang. He's recognized that he's the lay person, but oh, small oh. violins play. <laughs> um, Oz is like, no one like my will. And he's like, no, sir, there is not. So cute. I know. But then you hear that yeah, and you're like, oh, no, what's going to happen to Willow? <laughs> I know. It's like at this point, like I really feel like breaking down TV shows or whatever has you know really the kind formula. of ruined I knew it's ruined a lot of yeah. movies for me because I can tell exactly where they're going half the time I'm like I know this I've seen this film before basically like let's just you know that's why I feel like when they can really get me in a movie maybe that's We're why so I, I really like whodunits I think it's so fun because I'm like ooh, let's look at all the red herrings let me see if I can figure out who it is yep yep same z's same z's <laughs> Same things. I'm so tired. Game okay, moving along. <laughs> We've all been there. <laughs> oh my god! I'm gonna say that now. You guys are like, wait a minute. Let's. I'm gonna need to. Take I was a about few to move back. past that too. And I was I like, know. I'm gonna skirt back to that one. Actually, I think I need some clarification. <laughs> oh my gosh. And then Buffy's being hoist down like Mission Impossible. Also, I'm fairly positive this is the exact same set from Prophecy Girls when they're like – that's supposed to be the skylight over the library, the one that like Buffy pushed the master that's through. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Buffy picks up the box and then a bell rings. Oh, yeah. Didn't like the, the cord get stuck too in Mission Impossible? Yeah. I'm like, okay, guys – Check your equipment. Like, why is this happening all all the time? Who are you buying from? Is there a, a, a retailer we need <laughs> Who's to talk to? Who's your supplier? To? Yeah. Like, remind me never to buy from them when I want to go rock climbing or something. The cord is jammed and then vamps come in. Um, Angel jumps down. They fight the vamps. They throw the – okay. I will say one of the vamps, like, throws, like, a chair directly right at Angel. Angel, with ease – takes yes. it and then throws it right back at him. I was like, come on, you guys. I All wrote the fights have been too. really cool, except for that one thing. I was like, you guys. I wrote that down and I was like, wow, Angel has improved so much since season two when he was taken out by a literal shovel. Like, <laughs> they really ramped That's up. That's one thing I will say that frustrates me is that I do feel like Angel's strength specifically is really is ramped up so this season. It's really ramped up, but it's also been so inconsistent. Like, season yeah. one, I feel like he got, like, <laughs> season one, Angel literally got, like, out of breath from running. <laughs> and season two, Angel got, I can't like, get, I have no season breath. two, Angel got taken out by uh, a shovel. But then Angelus was super strong. So then there was, like, that weird, you know, but then, then this season, Angel has, like, I feel like he'd be able to kill himself from season two. Like that's how much stronger he got. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is a little inconsistent. Which I mean, spoilers. We we know why they're ramping up his strength yeah. level. But yes, it definitely feels like they've really like the past couple episodes been like, hey, hey, hey Angel. Woo-hoo. We're like, oh wow, who's this new character? So Angel and Buffy make it out of the room. They're hiding in the bushes, and then we assume they get picked up by the van from Giles and Wesley. They do okay. So if you guys, if you guys listen really closely in that scene where the van goes speeding by as like a decoy and the vamps are running after it, you can hear either Wesley or Giles laughing maniacally as they're chasing <laughs> as the vamps are chasing them. Probably and I Wesley. Legit, I legit wish it was Giles, but it's probably Wesley. Yeah, it's so funny. You guys should go listen to it. Well, and then the contrast between that and then they go back to the room and then the mayor comes in starts out his normal well that's not very 
that's very unfortunate. I had this room de- redecorated. And then, oh, yeah, it starts yelling and screaming and hitting things. Um, Dude. And then he goes like, they got my box. And then Faith comes in and goes, yeah, they do. But looky what we got and holds a knife to Will's neck. What a good like twist. Okay, the mayor genuinely, like I kept thinking about what you said. I think it was like the last episode or episode before Leah where you were talking about how we're kind of waiting for him to snap. Like where he has like this veneer and facade. Like we feel like there's something underneath that's a little scarier. But the fact that he like explodes and then the look he gives Faith after she says Mm -hmm. she has Willow, I was like, holy crap. Okay, his mask is slipping a little bit and I'm scared now. Well, it was scary because it was like – it was like he was proud of her. Yeah. And it was like gross because you're like, oh, like that is so evil. Like, yeah. Ooh, you're evil? What? <laughs> well, you just got to forget sometimes. You're like waiting for it to come to head. And like, if that does happen, like, I mean, I'm, I really I, I, like hate acting as if I don't know what's going to happen. It's so annoying. <laughs> like, well, we'll see. But like, is he actually I mean, evil? Do we know? I, mean, I feel like obviously there's going to be a point where he's going to show his true colors. And I'm excited for that yeah. to happen for us to talk about it. Um, in the library, there's that like that stillness that everyone's kind of like in shock. Buffy kind yeah. of goes around. She's like angry. She's mad at like she's kind of pointing fingers, which is accurate. She's like, I thought you guys had her. Like, and they were saying that they thought that they were with Buffy. She was with Buffy and Angel. And then Angel apologizes. So sweet, boyfriend of the year. And then Buffy, yeah, says what was to he going to do? Like. <laughs> Well, Buffy says to Oz, like, like she's like, oh, I swear, like, I won't let them hurt her. Oz is just, like, sitting there very, like, stoic. Um, Xander says they need to go back. Giles says if they go back, then they'll definitely kill her because uh, if they're going in guns a blazing, like, what's the point? Um, and then Wesley says, like, I feel like Wesley is saying everything that I feel like needs to be at least said from somebody. He's like, well, yeah. we're assuming they haven't killed her yet. Which is a good point, but also, like, I understand, like, from their perspective, they're thinking, well, if we have the box, they're not going to kill Willow, which I actually feel like, you know, like, sometimes people will say that in movies, and you're like, come on, like, if I were the bad guys, I would have killed her, but I think No, but they want the box think, bad enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, but they also took Willow for a reason. They took her yeah. as leverage. And they're not yeah. going to just kill her because that gets rid of their leverage. It'd be different if it was like in a fight and Willow got caught in the crossfires and, you know, like then they just killed her. It was like they took her for a reason. And so it's like it's safe to assume, okay, they're not just going to kill her. Yeah. Now, Wesley says they shouldn't trade her because thousands of lives depend on them getting rid of it. And the ascension is like more than just like one day that's going to be bad. It's like this is going to affect everything. And I have to say I I actually agree with him. Like from a objective point of view, I think they should take care of the box. Like they already have the box. It's one person over a thousand people. Well, I think it's also really, really important to recognize that Wesley's not saying, hey, just leave Willow to die. Yeah. Wesley only says we cannot give them the box. He doesn't say, oh, we're yeah. just not going to go help Willow. Right. He just says, don't give them the box. And he also says, yeah. I want to help Willow, but we will find another way. So basically saying like, I'm not giving up on her. Like, I guess it can right. be translated the other way, but he never says like, well, we're just going to leave her. Like, they could find a He's decoy He's taking the box. other perspective. They could, 
Yeah. Yeah. And so I don't think that he's being callous here, which I feel like the Scoobies are jumping to that extreme by being mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, he doesn't care. No, it's not that. I think if this advice was coming from Giles, they would heed it. But because mm-hmm. it's coming from Wesley, who was proven to kind of be a little bit callous, they're he's automatically also not really not a part of the group too. Exactly. Because they're thinking he doesn't have Will's perspective or best interest. Yeah. And then, I mean, this is, again, utilitarianism versus Kantianism. Wes is arguing for the lives and the needs of the many, and Buffy is arguing for the needs of the individual. And I think this is where it's important to recognize that there needs to be a balance in these arguments because we're talking about the fate of the literal world here. And it's like, okay, you have the thing that you know will stop him from ascending. Why would you give it back? When maybe there's another option. I'm not saying like trade, like let Willow die and just be like, well, sucks for you. But I'm saying like, why wouldn't she pursue other options? You have time, you know? It is also really interesting that Wes uses the same argument that it's Buffy's way out of Sunnydale. And he kind of uses the same strategy as Faith back in Consequences. He appeals to Buffy's own desires to get her to his side, which is what Faith said to Buffy when she was trying to keep her from going to Giles about killing Alan Finch. Um, And okay, so um, All Things Philosophical uh, has a little debate on their site, which I really love. They said, did the gang make the right choice? And here's the argument for those that say the gang did make the right choice. Someone said, it's stupid to serve yourself up for a certain death if you can't live to fight another day, which is what Buffy said. If Willow had been taken during the mayor's ascension or if leaving her would clearly be the only way to prevent it, then I think she should have been, well, sacrificed. But let's face it, when there is still time, why not save a friend and live to fight another day? Um, And then someone else said, I don't see where the choice to save Willow has resorted to the loss of thousands. The choice of saving Willow was a no-brainer. Buffy and the gang still have time to get the box back if they need to, but they couldn't do it without Willow's Wiccan talents. They need Willow. Willow's helped Buffy save many more than a thousand lives the whole world over. Um, And then the people arguing for the side saying no said they could have gotten Willow back without giving up the box, or at the very least, they could have tried. They could have bluffed the mayor. If the choice was not Willow dies or everyone dies, the choice was risk Willow's death or risk everyone's death. And without so much as a backwards glance, Buffy risks everyone's death. They got the box out. Why couldn't they get Willow out too? As for getting the box out a second time, I highly doubt it. The mayor isn't stupid. Um, But I don't know. I think those are both like really good points. But I think it comes down to that the show hems us into either – get Willow or don't get Willow when I feel like there were other options they could have explored that maybe Wesley was trying to prevent and nobody seemed open to that, you know? So they all start arguing and Oz just slowly gets up and throws the, what is that, the vase? That's all the ingredients he in the vessel. Mm-hmm. So he it mm-hmm. makes it impossible for them to even go the other route. Oh, I didn't even think I mean, about that. I will say yeah. very sexy of Oz <laughs> to do that. Okay. I just wish that he showed a little bit more in this scene as a character. Like I was really just like I, – I wish that he would have like snapped or yelled or something. Like I love that he mm. threw it, but I just wish that he had like cracked a little bit more. Like he throws it and then he just kind of like looks. I'm like, oh, I want him to like get angry. You know what I mean? Dude, like I want him to I- like yell or something. I that would have been like, woof. I disagree. I think that this is perfect for his character. I mean, up until this point, we have seen nothing. 
from Oz. But I wanted like, more. He has been... I wanted more. <laughs> no, but I feel like for his character, it's perfect. It's but him being like, out of character when he's in hysteria would have been so cool. Yeah, but I don't think I need that from every character. I don't but think I need every character. we've got nothing from him. That's, why how, that's how cool it would have been. But know? I also feel like if he was a main character, then sure. But as a background character who's barely on the screen, this was perfect. The script infers that – I mean, I guess it's in the scene too – that Oz does all of that because he's trying to get the floor back to Buffy because he's – He's agreeing with what Buffy's saying. So, like, you'll notice after he breaks everything, he pointedly looks at Buffy and gives her a little nod, like, back to you kind of thing, which I kind of find empowering. Like, Oz recognizes who the person is that ultimately has to make the decision. Men empowering other women is always very sexy to me. But, yeah. I just wanted to see a flawed Oz for once. Maybe, like, Oz being like – yeah, I love. He Will. punches Hinder. He's like, "I'll Sorry. do anything." We're like, "Yeah." yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or I don't know. I think it would have been kind of interesting because Oz is very logical and rational. For him to be like, "I love Willow," but I kind of see Wesley's point or something. Like, I don't know. Maybe that's taking it too far. But I think it would have been just like kind of neat. But I guess there's not really that much room in the episode to be like, "Whoa, let's explore that." You know. Um, back in, in City Hall, Willow's locked inside a room. She's looking around. I like that she's snooping while she's in there. Like she looks through the window, tries to get out, and then she starts looking through the drawers. Um, and then the vamp comes in. He wants to take a taste of her. And I love that they like show the pencils first. Yes. And then um, yeah. Willow props up a pencil with her magic and then she sticks him. Which I just love because we saw her do this in Doppelgangland. And what mm-hmm. a really – cool payoff that and the whole episode is about willow becoming more confident right and so seeing her in this arena i feel like it's just like a really cool little way to be like hey willow's changed willow's grown well also her being captured too she has so much like confidence in this whole situation i was very impressed with her even her outfit like it's very wiccan almost like i just feel like it's very much an a glow up for willow Although I absolutely think that dress is ugly, but I think that it is kind of like, <laughs> it's such a, such a glow up for it's Willow. Hideous. Although it's absolutely freaking hideous. I actually want her to get off the freaking screen. But oh, no, so cool goodness. for her though. But good for you, girl, for stepping outside. <laughs> oh my gosh, so cute. Where did you get that dress? You've never looked better. I would ever buy it, but you look awesome. Okay, Regina George. She's like, what a cute skirt. Where'd you get it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was my mom's from the 80s. <laughs> Vintage. So cute. That's what it is. Vintage. So adorable. <laughs> That's the ugliest effing skirt I've ever seen. <laughs> Thanks for I that, guys. That's Sarah to Willow. <laughs> no, I meant the dress is ugly, but I understand the decision behind all oh my But a glow Willow. So. I am getting <laughs> The dress is absolutely hideous. I mean, it literally looks like someone died in it. But honestly, for Willow, she never looks better. <laughs> We've all been there. I feel like um was it from Victorious when she's like Frogs I think Sage. we're all we've all been there. <laughs> I think we all sing. Yeah, I think we all can sing. <laughs> I meant glow up in the sense of character <laughs> development, not necessarily in looks. Okay, man. Jeez. 
Oh, All right, gosh. I'm done talking. Bye, guys. Have fun. Willow and her fashionable self me. run into a different room. Her fashionable <laughs> self, my butt. I feel like, how are you running around in that skirt or that dress? I can That's just what see I the material. Say. It's thick af, and she's like squealing across. Well, the and the fact that she has to like climb up the ladder to get to the top of the She'd building. She'd have to no hide it above was, her knees. That's why she was caught, guys. It's not Angel's fault. She Willow's tripped fault. all the way down. Ugly dress. <laughs> yeah, it's the uh, it's a ugly dress she had to wear. <laughs> or that's what it is. Um, she scoots across the hall. We hear Faith and the mayor talking about dogs. Buffy. And they're relating it to Buffy and then yeah. get a kill. You know, Buffy like he killed his own dog. I was like, okay, this is getting a little too. Dark Wait, for did me. he kill his own dog? I didn't think he it's did. Kinda, that. It's alluded to. He's I like, don't and then think all like, so. I think so. He brings up like his the dog. So and then nice. He, he up- would never do that. <laughs> no, he talked about word. killing his cat, Sarah. I think it's pretty safe to assume. He also I don't know. His dog. No, I don't no, think so. I know the mayor personally, and he would Jeez. not be doing that. <laughs> Spoilers, Leah. Man, we don't want everybody knowing We've all knowing been there this. with our dog too far. Right? <laughs> <laughs> My goodness. Fro- frogs and frogs and leaves, frogs and Frogs and sage and dogs. Frogs no. and sage and dead dogs. Sarah knows it all. <laughs> After I'm done, I'm going to go cast there. a spell on you guys. Gee. And the hideous dress that Willow's wearing. <laughs> That's going to be our new merch is a t-shirt with Willow's hideous dress holding a frog, sage, and then with a dog next to her. And we'll, we'll Photoshop, we'll photoshop <laughs> we'll your face there, right? under it. <laughs> Everyone's like, what is this? I'm very confused. It's very niche for our, you know, very small podcast. <laughs> I will say I will not wear that, though, because it has a toad on it. So I'm good. Wait, and it's it funny, too, because, like, Willow has frog fear, too. She does. Like, she yeah, her and I it. are the same. We are yeah. one and the same. Um, Willow runs over to – waddles over to a room. Um, <laughs> um, and then she finds her way into the mayor's office and then goes into the closet, finds a booksy of, of Ascension. She finds that secret cabinet really easily there. Honestly, like, no. Okay. I if I were looking inside someone's, I'd be touching everything for like trap doors, for buttons, for like you know when you move like a book and then like a secret door opens up. I'd be trying anything in real life, man. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely, bro. Yeah. I'd be doing that in people's bathrooms, and I'm not <laughs> we've even. All, we've all been there. <laughs> I'm like open sesame. Um, she finds the books of Ascension, and then it's kind of alluded to the fact that she's sitting there reading there for a while because we kind of oh, it's more than alluded. We have back. like that, yeah. Then we have like that yeah. fade out, fade in. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you doing, Willow? Just rip out a bunch of pages and shove them in your jacket and go. Well, I think I kind of like it though. It's the fact that she doesn't. She has so much confidence in the gang that they're gonna find her. Like she, I yeah. really applaud it. My good I mean, but the thing is, is that Willow could be thinking, go, man, they're going to trade the box for me. How can I help? I don't know. I just feel like they're uh, uh, whatever. I'm nitpicky this episode. Whatever. <laughs> I'm like, dang, okay. I'm like justifying Xander. So it's like, we, like need to, we need to go faster through this episode. She's like, from the mindset of Xander. I know. Quick. Seriously. I'm sorry. <laughs> Jeez. So Faith comes in, finds her. She's surprised she didn't leave. Then we have this whole conversation where she's like, oh, go ahead. Tell me the whole spiel again. Like how we're good. still your friends. This like is it's so not good. too late. And then like the facial change of Faith when like Willow goes, it's way too late. You know, it didn't have to be this way. You, But you made your choice. You know, you ha- I know you had a tough time and some people think you had a lot of bad breaks. But boo-hoo, poor you. And then she goes, you know, you had a lot more people in life than some people. I mean, you had friends like Buffy. Now you have no one. You were a slayer and now you're nothing. 
You're a big worthless waste. Honestly, this Burn. is kind of warranted. This is kind of warranted at this point. And I also don't even think that this is mean. Yeah, I mean, no, it's not. It's, it's true. Not. Like she's saying the fa- like she's saying facts. She's saying like you were you were so hung up on what you didn't have on all this stuff. She's like you didn't even notice you had people rallying behind you, yeah, fighting for you. And she's you like, and now everything. She, yep, she's like, now you have every And I I love how she takes away like her being a slayer. Because Slayer is more than just, like, killing people. Like, yeah. it is protection. Or the power. Yeah. Um, Mark Fields says this, and I thought this was an excellent point. He says, as Willow told Faith, Faith made her choice. When she cast her lot with the mayor, she gave up her freedom of choice from that point on. She has allowed outside forces to choose for her, which to existentialists makes her an object, something in the control of others, rather than a subject, someone who acts on her own. She's no longer an authentic individual as a result. That's what Willow means when she says, now you're nothing. Faith isn't a slayer. She's let herself become just a killer, as we have seen with the courier, including the gruesome use she makes of her knife. I think the look she has in the cafeteria when the mayor orders her to leave suggests that she actually recognizes this at some level. Sadly, she lacks the courage to back out, which I think is just a really good point. The fact, like she says, now you're no one. The fact is she, she was someone, she was a slayer. And I like the idea that like the the distinction he makes about killers or like the separation he makes between killers and slayers. Like if all you are is a killer, like- that makes you no different than that which you are killing, you know? Mm. Faith, like, completely punches her so hard she falls to the ground. I was like, whew, I felt that one. I'm surprised Willow didn't have, like, a broken nose or something. I know. She's a slayer. Yeah, she should have. I think it would have been kind of impactful to see Willow be a little bit bloodied, you know? Yeah, that's true. That sounds really sometimes, dark, but no, no, you know no, what no, I mean? Sometimes I feel like this show, like, doesn't show a lot of, like, blood. For being a vampire show, maybe like I feel like I've seen the polar opposite. Like Vampire Diaries, well, they have like they're like dripping blood down like their yeah. face. Well, it's also because the show at this time was still not on the late night. Yeah, uh, it was the channel. time slot. Mm-hmm. So the time mm-hmm. slot that it was, they still had a lot of regulations, and this is before the show moved to a later spot. So they couldn't show a lot. Well, at the time, apparently in um, on BBC. They had actually split Buffy into two different time slots and taken out all of the violence. So there would be one time slot where you would literally be missing all of the action scenes for the episode. Could you imagine? Like that would be so frustrating to watch. But then Faith's remark where she says, you try to hurt me, I try to hurt you, I'm just a little more efficient. She wouldn't say that if what Willow said wasn't actually what they I thought was that was thinking. a very like interesting choice of words too. I was like, oh, yeah. she actually owned up to it. Interesting. She usually deflects a ton. And then the mayor comes in the room and Faith's all like, I got, I got someone. someone, I got him. And, and Willow's like, so? Really? Is that She's who like, you oh, want? Okay, and? <laughs> right. And then later in the cafeteria, I think Faith looks back at the knife. I think the knife is supposed to be symbolic of the fact that she's looking back at the gang and Well, it's on their all. side. It's on their side. They're all united. They, they're they willing to go so far to get Willow back. And I wonder if Faith's thinking, man, like, would the mayor do that for me? You know? Also, the mayor did say in this episode or in this scene, Faith, you know, I don't like repeating myself. And then back in in the cafeteria, he has to call her twice when she looks at the at the knife. And I thought that was kind of interesting. 
So we go into the school cafeteria. The gang's all there. They mention that there's only one way in. <laughs> and then, like, the mayor comes in. He's like, well, this is exciting, isn't it? You're like, okay. <laughs> Enough he's, like, the, the only one having fun I here. I will say the absolute, like, chaos that the mayor ensues and enjoys <laughs> is so funny. True. Like, someone is bloody. There's, like, a whole, like, hostage situation going down. He, there's something that he's genuinely terrified of that he wants and he's like, this is so fun. Like, I, oh my gosh. It is funny. Like, he's very entertaining to watch. Well, I mean, you'd be jovial too if you were immortal. Like, he can't be killed. He's not afraid of them. Like, he he probably – I mean, I don't know if he's good at fighting. It's not like he can, like, beat them up to get the box back. But he knows he's holding all the cards. Yeah, he's he's a strange one. And then he goes for Angel and he is like, oh, no, he meets Buffy first and foremost. Never seen her before, which is so weird. We're like well, three episodes away from the finale. Well, do you remember what he what he calls her? He says, so you're the little girl. He demotes her to just being a little girl. And then he says, she's pretty, she's pretty. to mm-hmm. Angel. And never the how boyfriend. we talked about yeah. – that's the whole thing with the master saying that she's pretty. That's the whole thing with um, – I think Angelus said that at one point to her. There's been a couple of villains that just well, then, refer to her as simply pretty. Well, he, well, no. This one didn't feel like her looks. It felt like like her just being young. Like, it was like he was kind of demoting her to just being young. Like, it was like, she's pretty, Angel. It's kind of like she's a possession in his brain to Angel. And then he goes like, she's a little skinny, which again, is just kind of like, ooh, like, this is so weird. No, we don't comment like, on people's weight. Never. Okay. Yeah, no, but it's the same. Even if, like, the meaning is different, the intent is still the same. It's still no, meant to throw her to- off. But he's talking to Angel about Buffy's and Angel's relationship. It's a mind twist because, like, he's he goes then on to, to say about the relationship to Angel. He's like, I don't understand why I couldn't work out with you and my faith. And he says, um, I guess you kind of have strange taste in women. And then he makes the comment about how he likes insane. No, I know what he's doing, but he's doing this to unnerve Buffy. He knows who those, no, the that, person yeah, holds so I'm the power. Yes, totally. Totally. Okay, so we're saying the same thing. But it's just like, I mean, the fact that Buffy looks at him and says, let her go, and he goes, not till the box is in my hands, and then immediately looks past her and just starts talking over her about her. Like, it's Mm -hmm. so demeaning. It's definitely a power trip as well. Yeah. 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 And then as soon as Angel says the whole, like, I like him saying thing, um, Faith pulls tighter on Willow, and then Oz is like – he steps closer and is like, Angel, like, please stop. Like, like she's going to hurt her. You're immortal. She's not. It's not easy. I married my Edna May in all three, and I was with her right until the end. Not a pretty picture. Wrinkled and senile and cursing me for my youth. Wasn't our happiest time. And let's forget the fact that any moment of true happiness will turn you evil. <laughs> I mean, come on, what kind of a life can you offer her? I don't see a lot of Sunday picnics in the offing. She's skulking in the shadows, hiding from the sun. She's a blossoming young girl. And you want to keep her from the life she should have until it's passed her by. But, God, I think that's a little selfish. Is that what you came back from hell for? Is that your greater purpose? I think it's really interesting to note that you have... Angel and Buffy's theme playing right there, the one that, you know, we heard in Enemies, the one that we've heard in Amends, just as he says the whole um, 
I think that's a little selfish. Is that what you came back from hell for? Is that your greater purpose? Um, ooh, what a, a really hard choice of words that he uses. They're obviously intentional by the writers, but that's something that Angel's been wrestling with is what is his greater purpose? And I think that the mayor has some he has some good points, but I think that he's also twisting it to make Angel appear really selfish because he's in this relationship with Buffy when we know that's anything but. Honestly, I think that there is – obviously his motives are to wound and hurt them so that they're kind of an easier target to fight and all that. Sure. But there is something to be said about someone who's an outsider and observing things. And I think that Mm. everyone in the gang is a little scared to tell Buffy these things because they know how attached Buffy is. And I think that this is something that everyone has been saying for a while. Yeah. But are too scared to say it because it is a hurtful thing to say. And so I think that it's one of those things where it's like it is something that is only going to come from someone who has bad intentions because it's a hard thing to say. Yeah, I think it's interesting that we've the people we've really heard the most about Angel and Buffy's relationship or have talked directly to them has been the villains, like Spike and Lover's Walk, and then the mayor here. Um, and I I think that's because I think Xander and Willow do not fully understand enough of what's going on in Buffy and Angel's relationship. I think Giles does, but I think Giles is trying so hard not to overstep his bounds. And I think he wants Buffy to make her own decisions ultimately. Um, And I do think it's very telling that they show Giles' face during this as well because Giles knows. He knows this. And I I think it breaks his heart a little bit because I think he's seen this coming for a while. It's hard. It's something that Buffy and Angel do need to talk about and they do need to figure out. And here's the thing. like I don't think Buffy and Angel are wrong to want to be together. And the thing is, is that they fully recognize that Angel will not age and Buffy will. And I mean, we've never really seen them discuss whether they're like, okay, what's that going to look like moving forward and all that stuff. Um, But I think the unspoken thing here too is it's also like not only is Angel not going to age, but he can't even pass as a human. Like he can't go into the sunlight and stuff. So like the mayor was able to have like somewhat of a full life with his Edna May because he could do normal things. He was as close to human as, you know, I mean, I think he's kind of human, um, but Angel can't. And so there's that on top of the other stuff. Not so. to mention Angel can't have kids. Yeah. So it's like Buffy will be very lonely. Like she's cutting out yeah. that whole part of her life. What if she On wants kids? On top of the fact yeah. that Angel will never be able to experience true happiness. Yeah. So it's like there are, that's always going to be a barrier. I think that's the biggest thing I was about to say. I was like everything else is a choice they can make and they can make peace with it. If they really love the other person. But like how do you live a life with somebody without that intimacy and that love, you know? Ugh, it's just hard. This is a very uncomfortable scene because you see the truths and you're like, yeah, Buffy and Angel need to talk about this and face up to this. But then you're also like, but also how he's saying it is just so cruel. Ugh. And then the, his whole thing, make the trade. The way that he says that to Angel, like he's like so disgusted with him. And I'm just like, oh, okay. All right. So they they give him the box. He hands over Willow. And then Dun, dun, dun. Snyder comes in. Where are the drugs? (laughs) He's all like, all right, I knew you guys were up to something. And I'm like, okay, Snyder, do you or do you not know that Buffy is a slayer? Because he does not seem surprised to see her there with the mayor. He's talked about the fact that he knows she's the slayer. Why does he think she has to do drugs? Like, I don't know. At this point, I feel like he's grasping here. 
so then the mayor steps in and Snyder like suddenly turns into the lackey and is like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I apologize, you know, whatever. And then the guard opens the box and then we have like this weird like spider thing. It's like this weird alien ripoff where it jumps at the guy's face, kills him. And then it's like there's a loose spider in the room and the box is still open with more spiders coming out. And then and then we see the spider jump from the ceiling, hits the mayor in the face, and then it's like, oh, yeah, okay, he's invincible to whatever these things are as well. One jumps on Buffy. She smashes it. And then um, Faith sees another one crawling up next to Wesley, and she also uses her knife to throw at and kill the spider, which is really, really interesting. This is such an interesting scene because it's like – it's poignant that it's both the slayers that kill the spiders. And I think – again, I think this is one of those moments that we talked about earlier where I feel like this is Faith trying to emulate Buffy and trying to do what she was meant to do. Like she's she's still trying to do good. Like it's instinctual to it's just kill. default. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Like I think it was like why wouldn't you let the spider kill Wesley? Why wouldn't you let it kill Giles or whatever? It was just interesting that she just immediately defaulted to killing it. And you could tell I think that's when she looks back and sees the knife. There's that confliction there of like, oh, I lost my knife doing the right thing. Like isn't that weird? So then the mayor lets it slip that there's about 50 billion of the little critters in there, which is disgusting. Um, then he leaves. And I, again, this is one another reason why I say this, if this feels like, like a bottle episode, because the mayor could have easily just like had them all killed or something, but he just he doesn't even care. He just kind of leaves. He's like, whatever. Like, I've got this so much in the bag that I don't even need to worry about killing you guys. It's just such a power trip. And then we have Snyder with the best line of the series, I think, for him personally. It's, you, all of you, why couldn't you be dealing drugs like normal people? I miss Snyder. I miss him too. He's just so funny. It's ju- it's the chair for me. And he walks out with it. <laughs> with the chair, yeah. You're like, excuse me, um, that's theft. Put the chair back. So then back in the library, Willow's kind of – like giving them the very long version of what happened to her. And Giles is over there pacing like, okay, can we just get to the point? Let's go. He's like, did you happen to get anything from the Books of Ascension? And Willow, bless her heart, is just like milking this for all it's worth. And then she like pulls out the few pages that she was able to grab. And Giles looks like someone just handed him a million dollars and like he just won the lottery. So funny. He also just looks so proud of Willow. He's like, good for you for actually like thinking about it. I know, right? I mean, I was proud of Willow. I was like, oh my gosh, was this a huge waste of time? I'm glad they ended like with some progress being made because I was like, we we need something. We need to go somewhere from here. And then Wesley, let's hope there's something useful and the mayor has the box of Gavrock. As of now, we're right back where we started. And then he looks at Buffy and he says, wouldn't you say? And I never really caught that until this last um, watch. But I think that Wesley was pointedly telling Buffy, your decision to save Willow cost you the opportunity and chance to be able to go to Northwestern or to either ever leave Sunnydale, which I was like, ugh. Outside the school. Okay. This outfit is like quintessential Buffy, but just I am obsessed. So good. The leather jacket with like the 90s mom jeans. Yeah. With her hair up in a clip. Yeah. And like a little like simple white tank. It's very It's cute. just her makeup looks flawless. Like SMG has never looked better in this episode. Like all of her looks are just so beautiful. Like 
I want this leather jacket so freaking bad. She's kind of like squatting by the tree. She looks very deep in thought. And I guess that's what we all were thinking because Willow comes up and asks her the same thing. Um, and she kind of like spills. She's like, hey, like, I just kind of feel like I'm Sunnydale girl. Like there's no other choice but for me to stay. Um, the quintessential word of the episode. And I love that like Buffy – in her heart, she feels like she has no choice, but she really does have a choice. If she ended up deciding to leave, I really feel like everyone would have made it work somehow. It would have been hard. But the fact that she just like, on her own disagree. volition – No, I really feel like on her own volition was like, I feel like I need to stay. And she took that because Buffy's very responsible. Like She's thinking like, I'm going to stay because I feel like I need to, but I really feel like she could have done it if she decided to leave. Yeah, and I think something I've learned, and I think we all know this, but when a character says something very profound to Buffy, typically they are voicing what Buffy is feeling and thinking for, as well because everyone is kind of an aspect and reflection of Buffy. That's my theory at least. Um, and so in this scene when Willow's talking about how she's like, no, like I want to fight the good fight. I want to stay. Yes, she's speaking for Willow, but on a metaphorical level, that's also kind of Buffy's thought process as well. So I think it's really important mm -hmm. to take a look at what Willow's saying and recognize that that is also kind of a reflection of Buffy as well. This part's just so sweet. Like she shows her her transcript to like SDU and Buffy's like, are you serious? And she's like, say, isn't that where you're going? They like have yeah. this sweet little like tackling moment and like, um, and then Buffy kind of like snaps into like, like a good friend mode. And is like, no, like I won't let you, like I'm not, I won't let you stay here for me. And like, Willis is there and she's like, well, don't get me wrong. Like this has nothing to do with you and I love you. She's like, but like, I realize like being in the mayor's office, she's like, I want to sit here and I want to fight the good fight. And I, and then she, she brings it on to like, like a kind of like to her, I feel like she had an epiphany moment where she was like, I was in the midst of danger. I didn't know what I was going to do next. But she says like, I don't think you do it because you have to. It's a good mm -hmm. fight, Buffy. And I want in. Mm -hmm. And I love that she like brings it on Buffy in that moment. And I just like, I thought that was so sweet. But it also just speaks a lot to Willow's character because she has the option to leave. She has the option yeah. to go. And she chooses to stay, which is mm -hmm. so beautiful. Yeah. 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 I feel like we've come full circle because back in Anne, that was Buffy saying, no, I do have a choice. I can leave. And then her recognizing that she's not – her life will never be as fulfilling, that she will be missing something, that she will be rejecting her her calling, and therefore her life will be not as fulfilling if she were not – to go back and, and slay again. And so I think Buffy saying, I have no choice. Sure, she could leave if she wanted to, but she's recognizing the responsible thing, the right thing to do is to stay mm -hmm. and to fight, you know? And so in that regard, she doesn't have a choice. Well, I also like the fact too that not only is Willow being like, you know what, like, I want to fight the good fight and be here. But then she's also saying something for herself too. After that, she says like, I have shot at being a badass Wicca and what are what better place to learn? And that's true. Like that's like also she can do her education. She can help people, but then she can also like flourish this other part of herself that yeah. Giles can help with or just like being in Sunnydale that she can practice it as well. I love that she gets both of those things. And then um, we go back to the shop. Cordy's in the shop again looking at that stunning dress. It's such a timeless dress, honestly. I was looking at it. I was like, this could be any generation's like perfect prom dress. It's beautiful. Um, Corey's looking at herself in the mirror and then her boss comes in, gets mad at her, and we find out that she's working there. You mean Chuck's boss from Chuck? 
Is it really? The, she's like the colonel or the major or whoever. Yeah, from she's the in there. Check. Yeah, it's really funny every time I see her. I, I think that their reveal that Cordelia is actually working in a shop and not just shopping is really well done because you realize, oh, she has a job. She just wasn't like – like uh, Flaunting it. Or that yeah, the writers wasn't, decided to give her a storyline this episode, either one. Well, no. I mean like from the beginning of the, the, the beginning of the episode with the scene where Xander comes in, like you thought she's just shopping and then – you realize, oh, she was mm-hmm. actually working there. And then you start to look back at what Xander was saying to her and how Cordelia was talking. You're like, oh, Cordelia is either maybe disowned by her parents. Something's happened with her parents' money. Is Cordelia even going to be able to go to college? Does Cordelia have choices? Also, the whole like reveal that Cordelia actually has to like work in retail after her making fun of other people for what they're wearing and stuff. Um, back in like season one and stuff, I think that is an interesting place to go with her character. And then the last scene in the graveyard, Buffy and Angel leaning against a gravestone, which is very fitting. Mm-hmm. Their relationship is just, I feel like it's just doomed to be in the shadows. If they do decide to make it work, it's just going to be a lot of work and it's going to be just a lot of like fighting the darkness, um, both literally and figuratively. But there's also some tenderness to it. I just really feel like this is just like a perfect depiction of like their relationship. It's like they both are leaning on the dark parts, but also just have like a sweet and tenderness to their relationship at the same time. And um, they sit there, they're talking about like how the mayor was out of line for bringing that stuff up. Buffy mentions her staying here in Sunnydale, maybe moving in with Willow. They're looking at the college next week. Um and she says, how could he know anything about us? She mentions that the most lasting relationship he has had is with evil. Which I'm like, did you not hear him talk about Edna May? Like, it sounds like he, they had a long relationship. Yeah. So I feel like well, But I mean, she, it could – it very much could be that she just thinks he was lying, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Or she's just trying to not think about it. But I do think, like, the fact that they're back in a graveyard and they started the episode with them in a graveyard is to just kind of show that, like – we're still back in the same place that we were at the beginning of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, neither of them looks reassured that they are actually going to be okay. Both look pretty worried. Um, and the episode kind of leaves on that little bit of a cliffhanger. Like, okay, well, what's next? You know? Yep. She goes, we'll be okay. And he says, we will. <sighs> no, not Buffy, not Angel. <sighs> oh, that was a good episode. I actually like – I thoroughly enjoyed that. And I don't know if it's because like it's one of those that I haven't really seen very much. I again, I feel like I forget about it all the time. But literally, like I just it really enjoyed the conversations, the pairings, the dilemmas. I think it had a really good balance of like some heavier moments, but also just some really funny, lighthearted ones. Um, yeah, it was a really fun one to go back and like analyze. And I also feel like overall this episode gives a lot of screen time to characters we haven't seen in a while. Yeah, that's and a good And I point. like that. It it feels like a full yeah. episode. It feels like you get everything you want out of it. I agree. We got some really good growth moments for Faith, Willow, and even kind of – I mean, I won't say necessarily growth, but at least there's a progression with Cordelia's storyline. Uh, she now has her own storyline. Wow, woohoo. This is amazing, uh, which is so sad. She finally gets her own storyline apart from Xander at the very end of the season. 
Anyway, guys, we actually have an announcement. We've launched a website called becomingbuffypodcast.com. It's a central location to put all of our episodes and my essays that I've written for each episode that I normally post on Instagram, um, links to all of our social media sites, just a better way for you guys to communicate with us and for us to communicate with you. So definitely check that out. It's launching today. And we have our new podcast cover art that we're putting up there. And there's also a little sneak peek preview hint thingy um, of something exciting coming in the future that you will probably be able to figure out once you go to the website. But, you know, it's just kind of fun to put up there. Uh, We'll be actually announcing it next week. So come back here for that. But definitely check out the website if you kind of want to know beforehand. Next week is The Prom and Leia will be back with us. She was previously with us on Lover's Walk and then I think for Revelations, the spoiler section. Um, it's The Prom is just such a good episode and Leia is so much fun. So definitely get ready for that. Um, as always, guys, thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe and we will see you guys next week. <laughs>